Welcome to Beth and Jordan Rewatch. I'm Jordan, and I'm a nerd. And I'm Beth, and I am also a nerd. For our show, we will rewatch TV shows and movies that Beth and I have enjoyed and try to look at them with a fresh perspective. For this season, we will be rewatching Avatar The Last Airbender for the third time for me and for the three millionth time for Jordan. The show has just been released to Netflix here in the US, giving us the opportunity to rewatch it together. Today, we wrap up book one with episodes 19 and 20. To get started with our uh, season one finale episode, we start as, yeah, we start as we always do. Um, It's time to recap the episode. Uh, And so Beth and I did a digital coin flip and I have, I guess, won the toss. And so I will go first trying to recap episode 19, The Siege of the North Part 1 in the course of one minute. And so, Beth, do you have a timer ready? I do. All right. Go ahead and give me the countdown. All right. We'll go in three, two, one, go. All right. Sokka gives Yue a ride on Appa, where he discovers the falling snow in the form of soot, which warns him that the Fire Nation is coming with a, with a huge navy. Um, preparations are made. Aang is determined that he's going to make a difference this time. Zuko is preparing for his plan to capture the Avatar. The attack of the Northern Water Tribe begins. Um, Aang, although he's successful in taking out uh, uh, Fire Navy ships, realizes that the task is massively daunting. And after the first day, we realize that uh, firebenders are not so good at the night because that is when waterbenders are at their best. Um, Aang seeks the help from the spirits um, and leaves off into the spirit world. Zuko launches his plan to go and capture Aang. And while Katara beats him during the night, the sun rises and Zuko beats her back and he takes Aang and runs off. The sun has risen and the Fire Nation resumes its attack. Nine seconds to spare. Yeah. Did I miss anything? I don't think so. Maybe like the fiance subplot, but other than that. Oh, that's true. Yeah. I guess I guess I don't view it as so. (laughs) Yeah, I was gonna say I don't view it as so important, I guess. Mm -hmm. I guess I could have talked about Sokka's whole Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's all talk about it more. True enough. Okay. And so then, Beth, you have the Siege of the North Part 2, and I've got my eye on the timer. Are you ready? I am ready. All right, here you go. In three, two, one, go. All right, so after abducting Aang, uh, Zuko sort of runs off. Um, Yue, Sokka, and Katara follow along trying to find him, but it's a blizzard, so it's really hard to see him. Um Zuko kind of monologues to Aang in the cave, and we learn a little bit more about his character and his backstory. Um, Aang, meanwhile, is kind of traipsing around the spirit world, which is an alternate plane this time instead of, or like a different reality instead of just sort of this world, but different. Um, and he meets Ko, the face dealer, who tells him, BT dubs, it's the ocean and moon spirits. You've already met them. It's the, the yin and yang koi fish. Um, so Aang comes back and zaps back into his body, allowing Sokka and Katara and Yue to find him. Um, they fight Zuko, capture Zuko, and bring him and Aang back to the Spirit Oasis. And back at the Spirit Oasis, Zhao is picking up the moon spirit fish and everything goes red because the moon spirit's in distress. Uh, Iroh is like, I'm going to fight you. And they he ends up, Zhao ends up killing the moon spirit. Um, Aang goes full avatar state inside of the ocean spirit and takes out everybody. Um, Zhao and Zuko fight at some point. Um, Yue is like, hey, I've got the moon in me and I'm going to give my life to bring the moon back and turns into the moon. Um, that's it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm like, I'm running out of time and I have too much to say. 
Yeah, well, you were, you were 15 seconds over. So Jeebus, it, creebus, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's a little bit of like, uh, we just need to stop. But mm-hmm. no, I, I mean, there's, there was a lot in, the, in, this, in this episode, as we will talk about more. So, yeah. But yeah, not too bad, all things considered. <laughs> so now let's go ahead and get into it. Let's talk about these two episodes, basically the entire thing being about the siege of the North. Um, Beth, I... I'm just going to throw out the whole, we usually do one episode at a time. Yeah. These are so linked together. It'd be impossible. Right. So let's just, let's just go straight into it. The whole thing. Um, and I'll start with my usual question. What's stuck out to you in watching these two episodes? And that's a really tough question this time because there's just <laughs> so much going on. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, do we want to just like, I don't know how we can start talking about this. Do you have a talking point you want to bring up? Cause there's just well, so much here. Well, I'll, you know, I'll bring up, I want to start with Princess Yue, mm. um, just because I had, full disclosure, I had texted you beforehand, before we recorded today, mm-hmm. um, about a bit of trivia that I just, that I kind of realized as I was watching. Um, but yeah, I want to talk about the Princess Yue storyline, just because it is somewhat front and center. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the Princess Yue storyline is interesting, because I, you know, I wrote down in my notes, like, why am I crying about... <laughs> About a character who's like who I've just met, and like her and her relationship with Sokka, like, like it's it's good. Like you know, of, of all like of the love stories we see, like there's not a lot I hate about it. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think there's anything I hate about it. Um, I'm just amazed that they are able to make me care for really what little detail they give me about their personalities. Like, because if you were to ask me, like, well, what is UA like as a person? I'd be like. Uh, puts the uh, good of others before herself, I guess, because right. she's willing to marry that horrible human being to because her tribe is like for to like help her tribe out or whatever. But right, so she's got like, I mean, almost like just like in the crown, like you know, she's got like a love of country, like like a, a willingness to lay down her life for the good of the nation, sort of thing, mm-hmm. uh, which is certainly you know that's that's an endearing, honorable trait. Um. And, you know, she's not condescending. Mm-mm. You know, that's one thing we realize. But other than that, like, we really don't know much about her. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. But yet, uh, when she dies, well, I don't I don't know if she dies, whatever. When she, she transforms into the moon spirit, her, her physical body isn't really there anymore. So she kind of dies, I suppose. Yeah, when she becomes the moon, like, it is just so freaking sad. Mm-hmm. And... And maybe it's because, going back to my main man, Sokka, maybe it's just because, maybe it's not so much that I care so much about Yue. I'm, I'm pondering this all out loud. I did not write this all down beforehand. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm processing this through with you. But you're seeing Sokka get his heart broken. Exactly. And, and we root for Sokka. Mm-hmm. Like, we like Sokka. We know who he is. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, I, yeah, there was the little brief fling with Suki. Um, but, you know, at this point, this is someone who it seems like he genuinely loves and it seems decently healthy mm-hmm. and, and it's taken from him. So maybe, so maybe it's not so much about UA. Maybe it is more about Sokka. I don't know. Yeah. What do you, what do you think about that? I mean, I can see, I can see that point too, but can't discount just 
the the heartbreaking beauty of Yue's sacrifice almost almost she wasn't born for this she wasn't like but her life was given to her to give back eventually and her father mm-hmm. realized that and i probably somewhere de- deep down she realized that she owed her life to something mm-hmm. um, which is such a sad thing honestly like the girls so she's never really truly had control over her own destiny the closest she ever got to it was when she was sort of gallivanting about with Sokka right because the rest of it she's a princess she has expectations placed on her she's engaged to a horrible human being she doesn't even like because it's for the good of the tribe and then at the end of the day she gets the I suppose she has the choice but she doesn't really have a choice to give up her life to bring the moon back and save the world Mm -hmm. yeah yes yeah you're absolutely right um yeah and just one yeah, I'm just contemplating what you said because I, yeah, I, I agree. And yeah, even that, even that last moment is that a choice, or is that just her sense of duty being like, this is what is good for the world mm-hmm. and for my tribe, and so I must do it. And she's, and she's not bitter about her place in life. Yeah, she's. There's, there's never any like, oh no, I can't or I don't want to. Even with again, even with her engagement, it's like nope this is what's expected of me this is what i'm going to do yeah so it's so she's so interesting in that way because in many ways she does represent an antiquated past Mm -hmm. like she represents a woman not not typically not very much empowered Mm -hmm. um you know other people make her decisions for her um but i don't know but she does i don't know it's it's interesting because she does somehow somehow in her acceptance of it which feels so weird like it feels like it shouldn't be true but like in her acceptance of it there's a beauty in it mm-hmm. um i feel like somebody's gonna totally take that out of context and be like so you just say all women should be submissive but yeah, god I don't know. no yeah exactly <laughs> exactly but like, i don't know yeah but so and then one other thing i just wanted to add to and why i started with you is what i texted you so we had talked last episode about the Four Seasons song, and I I'd, I'd made the note of like, oh, that's interesting. Like I, you know, I hear it throughout the episode, um, and then as I was watching this episode, it dawned on me that when the Four Seasons song is played as the background music, it's only played in scenes where Yue is there, mm. and so and I don't get why because I mean the song doesn't really technically relate to her. Um, but that is almost her theme. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's so beautiful and pretty when she like when she becomes the moon, when she says goodbye to Sokka, like you hear it. And, oh, I was. Oh, oh, mm-hmm. I was tearing up. It was bad. It was so good. But it was bad. Such a good scene. Yeah. So I wanted I definitely wanted to start there. Yeah. I don't know. Take us somewhere else, though, Beth, before I become. So before I become too sentimental and all this, oh, where, where else um, should we go? Zuko. Ooh, let's. <laughs> Speaking I say of sentimental, as I always direct the person or direct the conversation to one of my favorite characters in the show. <laughs> no. That's okay. I I usually direct it to Sokka, so you can direct it to Zuko all you want. Fair enough. Um, so it's really interesting because that we see him sort of working undercover. We see him. Uh, infiltrating the water tribe completely by himself like Mm. in his dogged pursuit of his goal 
But the one scene that really, really sticks out to me is from the first episode when Uncle Iroh meets him as he's leaving in the boat. Oh, God. Beth, I thought we said we weren't going to do sentimental. Nope, we're doing nothing but sentimental. Get your Kleenex out, Jordan. (laughs) Go ahead and say it, though. The part where where Zuko's leaving and Uncle Iroh comes up and at first starts giving him like little bits of advice, like make sure to weep the tight trap so your prey doesn't escape. And then says the line of ever since my done, my son died, uh, I think of you as my own and Uh... gives him a big hug. And later on, it makes it even more impactful because later on in the second episode, we hear him say, my father says I was born lucky or my sister was born lucky and that I was lucky to be born. So we learn, it's our first glimpse of, we've seen Iroh all through this, right? We've seen that Zuko mm-hmm. does like Iroh. Iroh at first was like, oh, is he going to be loyal to the Fire Nation? But no, he's loyal to Zuko. We yeah. see him sort of as this like jovial, joking prankster. But this is this is him as a father and taking care of Zuko and telling him to wear his hood and remember to stay warm and (laughs) all of those things that dads are supposed to do as opposed to telling their sons that they were lucky to be born. It's uh, Mm. it's poignant. (laughs) Oh, oh, Beth. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that scene. I, I remember, I do remember when I watched it the first time, I do remember feeling something even as however old the kid I would, would have been. I, because, because you know, you know what's hinted at. Mm-hmm. Like we all, we all understand that it's there, but it's subtext. And then when he just flat out says it, I, you know, it's interesting. There's an emotional payoff to that, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is interesting. And I don't know exactly what to make of that, but there's an emotional payoff for them, for them to finally say what we've all been thinking. Like, yeah, Iroh does think of Zuko as his own. Mm-hmm. and and to confirm it to us um instead of just hinting at it strongly um and you know on the topic of zuko and i'm totally going to steal from lines that iroh will t- will say to zuko in the next season one thing i will say to zuko's discredit is he really did not think things through god no he didn't idiot like, boy is all afterburner and no rudder <laughs> right it's like and and i and i thought about this uh, you know, of course, the obvious situation is when he captured Aang, like and just drags him out onto the tundra. Like, well, I can't go to the Fire Nation ship, so I guess I'll go the opposite direction. Jeez. Right? Like, like what's like what's the plan here? And so, like, that's the more obvious one to me. The other one is, and I hate to be critical of of a good gesture, but when when he's fighting Zhao, like, I would assume Zuko is out for death and for blood. You would think, you know, he tried to blow him up. Um, but then when the ocean spirit comes and takes Shao away, like it, it's supposed to show us his character and it's good. Like, excuse me, how Zuko still th- throws, you know, holds out his hand and is like, take my hand and Zhao and his pride, you know, mm-hmm. uh, puts it away. But I'm kind of like, so then what's your game plan, Zuko? Like, were you going to kill this guy? Or were you just going to like lay some fireballs into him and then be done? Like. Well, if we know anything about Zuko, he doesn't really have a game plan. He's operating off the cuff. He's going with what his heart and gut and instincts tell him to do. And at the end of the day, he's still got a good heart. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. And once again, at the end of this episode, we find Zuko, much like we found him at the end of episode 18, very much unattached, 
um, him and his uncle, both very much unattached um, from the Fire Nation. Um, and so, you know, the season ends with them both just kind of being like, what's what's going to be in store for them? Because I, I do love, I do love when uh, Iroh says, Zuko, I'm surprised you are not at this very moment, you know, looking for the Avatar. And like, he has that eye, that one eye, a side eye sort mm. of thing. I, I love that. He's just, he just like he knows what he be stepping in normally, mm-hmm. um, but instead Zuko's just like, no, nah, I'm tired, and so it's, and that's just interesting because up until this point, what has all of Zuko's life been? I must capture the Avatar and restore my honor, mm-hmm. and this time it's like, I'm tired, and I wonder Whoa. if part of that also comes from having been so close and then failing. He had mm. the Avatar with him, but wasn't able to bring him in yeah well in a slight recognition of i don't know there's that and the right maybe maybe there's a recognition of he got saved by the avatar Mm. because like i don't know because it's not you know because kazuko yuzuko is usually grumpy when Mm -hmm. grumpy is a is a very calm word for it right (laughs) a very pc word for it zuko's usually grumpy when things don't go his way and this didn't strike me as grumpiness this struck me as truly just exhausted yeah that's a good point so so we've hit yours and my favorite character we've talked about Mm -hmm. zuko we've talked about Sokka. we should probably talk about you know the titular character ang yeah you know that one Oh, right. Yeah, he exists. Um, yeah, I suppose so, right? So he basically spends, or the, I guess the most important parts are him attacking the Fire Nation ships in the first episode, and then the spirit world in the second one. Right. Right. Yeah, basically. But, you know, I don't know. What I did think was important, you know, for Aang, for him personally, as I like in the first episode where he's like, I wasn't there for my people when the fire nation attacked mm-hmm. i'm gonna be there this time um the course of history is now going to have avatar ang's uh hand or hand to guide it that wasn't a great metaphor but you know what i'm trying to say yeah i got you so yeah, yeah i thought i thought that that was i don't know i liked that i mean there's not a lot of growth for ang ang is just mm-hmm. it is interesting ang in some ways aside from him actually like launching an attack on the fire nation ships a lot of the plot happens to him as well. Yeah. Other than figuring out that the own, the moon and the ocean spirits are the fish and which that Zhao had already figured out. So they got it there too late, but okay. Yeah. But his interaction with Ko, like I would have had my face stolen in the first like half a second. Oh, like terrifying. Oh, yes. <laughs> I mean, Beth, I know you well enough to, to agree with you, but uh... <laughs> <sighs> You mean but, somebody, the person who lost a game of re- resistance because somebody heard her smiling? <laughs> <laughs> um, no comment. Um, <laughs> but I mean, like, yeah, I mean, that would, like, I remember watching it the first time, like, that kind of, that kind of creeped me out as a kid. Like, I would have been spooked um, by any, yeah, any of yep. that stuff. Even the whole monkey thing he did, like, I remember when I watched it the first time, I, I think I about jumped in my seat as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah and the spirit world ugh. I've had my own little mini rant about it before but I will just reiterate the spirit world is a work in progress there are no rules um, 
And whatever, yeah, whatever you say about the spirit world is correct because for that episode, it does it serves whatever purpose the writers mm-hmm. wanted to serve. Because you go from the first time we see it, it being like this world, but you're blue and spooky, and then it's right. like, oh no, you're in a weird jungle place with like a baboon thing and a thing that's going to eat you and hey bye. Right. Like, it's an entirely separate world. Oh, and by the way, usually you can only interact with the spirits at the solstice, but this time we're interacting <laughs> with it like at, the, at just a random full moon. Yeah. I, I guess you can write it off as like Aang's, his first connection to the spirit world was the most difficult to obtain, and now he's just getting better at connecting with it. But sure. Eh. Yeah, it's still hand like, baby. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely is. Well, because it's like, oh, we must do it at this time. Otherwise, we can never talk to Avatar Roku. Oh, Mm -hmm. hey, Avatar Roku. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Fancy seeing you here. Yeah. So, yeah, like I said, the spirit world. What's the the term MacGuffin mean? Uh, MacGuffin is an item in the plot that the main characters are chasing after. Okay, never mind. Then it's not a MacGuffin. Never mind. I thought it was just something that changes. It's a little deus ex machina, maybe. Like, could be oh we'll just go to the spirit world when we need it no like i don't know maybe that's not exactly right either but there's yeah. something the, for it the day of six machina would have been that the o- that the ocean, oh, the spirit, ocean spirit just banked out yeah basically just possessed ang and is like i'm gonna handle this myself Yep, time to pacific rim up in this b right <laughs> which so i did think about this and i know somebody else pointed out to this to me so this is not original thought remember when ang's like how he's excited when he's gonna go to the spirit world it's like maybe they'll launch like some super awesome spirit attack <laughs> and we or all wisdom. are just yeah exactly yeah we're wisdom and we all just think like oh that's just a cute joke he was right <laughs> he got a super awesome spirit attack Point for Aang. Point for Aang. Good job, Aang, in predicting the future. <laughs> um, anything else we want to talk? I, I really kind of want to, and, and you can definitely take this off track wherever you want to. I just kind of want to hit our main character. Since this is the end of season, sure. I, want to, I want to just make sure we get, get all of our main characters Absolutely. before we wrap up this episode. So do you so, have anything else about Aang then? Nothing about, else about Aang. All right. Let's go over to Katara then. Yes, let's. Uh, it's you know it's so interesting how much has changed in one episode. The girl's gotten so much stronger, <laughs> right? And it's just this is so funny because uh, again, is it tokenism or or like exception like exception fem- feminism or like whatever, whatever. Not gonna not gonna contemplate the depths of feminism again. Uh, but she is she is so powerful now, mm-hmm. and like she can kick Zuko's butt. Um, only at night though he beats her back during the day the two times she beats him are at night this is true and only during a full moon which Mm -hmm. that will also be revised Mm -hmm. with time Um, as she gets stronger right i would also say as the plot demands yeah Uh, fair enough because we do it almost does seem like she's only capable of beating zuko at the full moon um which like this is not a spoiler. This came out in this episode. The full moon is when a waterbender is at their full power. Like that was that was laid out in this episode. Um, I will soft spoil and say that we will find out later that when the when a waterbend like a waterbender being at their full potential is a lot more than what we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. And she's definitely not at her full potential. She's had what like sure. maybe a week of training with Master Master Paku and I don't uh, while the uh, while calling her Master Katara already is a little bit like yeah but like and assuming that Aang was working as hard as her he should be at the same level as her but right eh. yeah 
Yeah. Uh, what did, what did Paku say? Like Aang's like all raw talent or something like that. Something like that. And I mean, Katara honestly is kind of a prodigy in her own right. Like mm-hmm. there's, there's no doubt about that. It's maybe one of those things where it's like, she finally got a little training and got a lot better because she was able to do some stuff without ever having seen a waterbender do anything. True. So has a, That's has a lot of natural talent there while we'll, I guess Zuko, we, I don't, I don't know if this ever really is explicitly said, but Zuko's not very naturally talented at firebending. He's not very naturally talented at a lot of things. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's very strongly hinted at when, you know, he says that everything comes easy to my sister and I had to work for it. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, it, it makes a little bit of sense, like a prodigy with some new knowledge going up against somebody who's maybe not very, a very good firebender in all honesty. <laughs> but yeah. Well, I don't, I don't know if I'd say Zuko's a bad, like not a very no. good firebender. Yeah. Yeah. But I guess you do bring up a point that I hadn't thought of where like Zuko would be practiced and experienced. Mm-hmm. Katara would not necessarily be so practiced and experienced. Mm-hmm. But she has come a long way um, in this season, just in her power and potential. Um, yeah. Yep. All right. Who does that leave us with? Or did we hit everybody? I think we basically hit everybody. Awesome. Um... And then... Sorry, were you going to say something? Oh, I was just going to say, like, if you didn't have an, anything else to talk about, I just kind of wanted to talk about the final battle. But if you've got something before that, nope. that's cool. Too. No, it'd, it'd be better that you talk about the final battle before I, I'm going to I'm going to talk about Azula. OK, perfect. So I just loved like the aesthetics I guess, of the final battle, mm-hmm. which is a really weird thing to say. Mm-hmm. Loved everything turning blood red when the moon spirit was in trouble since the moon was the only light, like mm-hmm. everything looking so like dire and grim and you knowing like knowing that something is horribly horribly wrong um love that when the moon spirit died everything went to black and white except for the ocean spirit and ua's eyes yes uh, such good words there i'm not gonna lie i expected like a cataclysm when he killed the moon spirit because you know they talked about so much about how the uh, the fire nation needs the moon spirit too, mm-hmm. and I'm just thinking like me here, I'm thinking about like gravity and crap like that, and I'm yeah. like the tides, like, <laughs> yeah, the tides and all this stuff. I'm like, oh man, what's going to happen here? And instead, mm-hmm. it's just kind of like, you know, waterbenders is their waterbending, logically, uh, mm-hmm. but you know, I wonder if it would have been one of those things where like the long term effects weren't felt for a while. Sure, it could be a climate change of sorts. Yeah. Yep. Because, I mean, no tides. The The Fire Nation is mostly island-based. They have a lot of ships. Like, they probably really rely on the tides for fishing and transportation and trade and warfare and all of that. Mm-hmm. So, On top of whatever spiritual imbalance that there probably would be in the world. True. True. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. I thought the aesthetics were very pleasing. And I love when the moon comes up and you just see those waterbenders just go to town. Mm-hmm. It's fun. So good. Um, and then I just felt like it would be remiss to um, not talk about that ending mm-hmm. where after we, you know, we're all kind of feeling good. Um, you know, Aang and, and the crew have won the battle. Zuko is not hunting for the Avatar. He's taking a break, which, you know, that makes us happy. And then, and then we go to the Fire Nation chambers. <laughs> In classic and, Avatar style, they can't let us be too happy for too long. <laughs> right? If you think Game of Thrones started that business, just like to me, all to me, all of Avatar season two is basically like this. Basically, um, it's the Empire Strikes Back of Avatar. Right. 
and we're down in the Fire Lord's chambers. And then in his, in Mark Hamill's voice, I, I have, I have a special job for you. And then it's Azula. Um, so yeah. Oof. And she's, we'll, we'll talk more about her probably in the next time we do a podcast. So I'm yes, going to save my comments will. for that. But ooh, the, the, bah, 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 bah. Uh-huh. yes. But yeah. So ends book one Water. And so now to wrap up book one, we need to, of course, do as we do every week, give out our ratings. Um, as a reminder of the rules, they're out of five stars, but decimal points are allowed. Beth, I want to start with Siege of the North part one. What did you give it for a rating and why? <sighs> I'm really torn on this one, actually. Um, I think I'm going to give it a 4.9. Okay. It's a very, very good episode. Sets up the finale very, very well. Just it's it's one slice away from being a five and i was so close to giving it a five but 4.9 i think you and i are on a similar track i gave it a 4.7 uh yeah it's like they're so good there are some things that are starting to emotionally pay off but i don't know how can can you rate something a story that has not completed a five that's the thing it's like it it almost feels unfair to be splitting these episodes up right but we but we do it because that's because tradition and such. I don't know. I don't know. Like if you were to leave it as a standalone episode, I mean it's not its fault. It's only got twenty some minutes of runtime, but it just I don't know. You need to watch the other episode to feel complete. Exactly. And so let's get to that episode then. Let's start with let's talk about episode twenty, the Siege of the North Part Two. What did you give that for a rating? This one's a five. <laughs> yeah. Perfect ending of the season, perfect finale, wraps up so many plot lines, sets up the next season. Very, I basically have no complaints about this one other than maybe a little bit too dil- too much dilly-dallying in the spirit world, but eh, five. <laughs> yeah, yep, you've probably said it. I'll probably say it in longer words because I'm, I'm more wordy and verbose, but yeah, 5.0. Um, yeah, I, it, there's so much, I, I mean, just emotional payoff. Even seeing Aang become the ocean spirit and just destroy all those Fire Nation ships, just like, yeah, suck it. Um, Yeah, the spirit world's weird. Yeah, right. But I don't know. That didn't, but you could, but you can almost disregard it because it served its point in the plot, whatever. We moved on. Um, And it built tension pretty well, too. It did, for sure. So, like, it served its purpose. I'm still mad that the spirit world is as weird (laughs) as it is, but like everything else was really good. UA's plot line, uh, so so sad, so so good. Uh, Zuko has, you know, his plot lines come neatly together. Zhao is gone, and that is, you know, that's also just like a yeah. <laughs> that brings it up point two points all on its own. <laughs> exactly, like suck it, Zhao. <laughs> so you know, it's just all of this emotional payoff of people, of people resolving their stories and bad guys getting what they deserve. Um, in a way that is uh, appropriate is not the right word, but... um, Satisfying. There you go. That's the right word. It, that is satisfying. So, yeah. I give it a five for those reasons. 
Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Rewatch with Beth and Jordan, where we rewatch our favorite movies and shows and discuss our thoughts. You can find more episodes on anchor.fm slash BJ Rewatch or on Spotify at Beth and Jordan Rewatch. Thank you.